Mark chapter number four. You can stand with me. I'm actually going to talk about a subject that I've talked about before more than one time and a passage of scripture. I felt drawn to come back and, and readdress today. And um, I believe it can help somebody tonight. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse number three. If you're there with me, would you say amen? Amen. Mark four, three. I'm reading in the English Standard Version says this. It says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Another seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus, in this infamous parable, is speaking to those who don't just Listen, but they hear what the Lord is saying. So tonight, I want to talk to you. It's kind of a weird title, kind of a different title. In fact, I found out Pastor had been doing some of this at his work, this uh, or some of this kind of work at his house this week. Um, Tonight, I want to talk to you about dirt work. Anybody ever done dirt work? You had to go prepare a field, a garden, a, a pad site for building. It takes dirt work to get the mix right. And so tonight. I believe that we need to do a little spiritual dirt work, that we have to get our hearts in the right place to receive what God has for us. Can we bow our heads and pray uh, one more time and ask the Lord to bless us tonight? Lord, we thank you, God, for your word, for your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray, God, your will would be done in this place, God, that you would open our hearts to receive and to hear what your spirit is saying to your church in this hour And in this time, God, we pray your blessings upon your people. And we ask you to come and walk among us tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. Amen. Lately, uh, God has been dealing with me about the ability to receive. A few weeks ago, I preached a message here um, about are you ready to receive. And it seems like in my prayer time and in my study time that there's an overarching thought about the ability to receive what God has for us. All of the blessings and promises of God are available to us. Do you all believe that tonight? It's available to me and to you. And it, I would say it's not just available to us, but it's ordained for us. The Bible says that we have been ordained unto good works. That there are things that God has purposed and planned for our lives. Yet, people still miss out on what God would like to develop in their lives all of the time. I believe that more often than not, we live as saints underneath the privilege and the promises that God has given us. And so my goal tonight is to help you to learn to receive everything, the full benefit of what God wants to do in your life and in your walk with Him. Amen. If you were given a life insurance policy um, if someone close to you died and they were going to pay out the life insurance policy, um, you would want all of it, wouldn't you? 
not just a part of the benefit. You would want all of the benefit. If, if uh, you somehow, by some stroke uh, of luck, inherited millions of dollars, you wouldn't be okay with just a few hundred thousand. That's all I really need. That's all I've got room for in my bank account. <laughs> if you are in that situation, there's plenty of room in mine. <laughs> we want it all. And I believe God wants us to have everything that He's ordained for us. It's not coincidental that the word used for an adherent to Christianity in the New Testament was a disciple or a follower. Because our relationship with God is designed to take us somewhere, to change our lives and to rearrange our destiny. Our family should not look like it used to look after we follow Jesus. Our future should not look like it used to look after we decide to follow after Jesus. He comes into our life and He doesn't come to leave us like He found us. He came to uh, that we might have life and life more abundantly or super abundantly. And so a walk with God that leaves you the same is really no walk with God at all. God is dynamic. Can I get an amen? He's powerful. He's pervasive. He's too big. He doesn't fit into our plans. So we must follow His. He's bigger than our problems and our past. So we leave them behind for His future. His desire for us is far better than what we can come up with on our own. And so we seek Him. We find Him. And above all else, we are called to follow Him. And Matthew 13 is a chapter that begins to describe the dynamics of receiving and becoming everything that God wants you to be. It contains seven parables on the kingdom of God. Great chapter of Scripture. And in those parables, we are told what a kingdom uh, or what the kingdom of God is like and how we can come to fully realize its potential in our life. And so tucked into the kingdom narrative is the parable of the sower. Somebody say the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is so simple that the hearers didn't understand it. Uh, You have to imagine with me the scenario here is Jesus is sitting on a boat teaching um, this infamous scene where this crowd is gathered around and Jesus says, let me tell you a little story. He says, listen, a sower went out to sow. Farmer went out to sow seed. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and they devoured those seeds. And then other seeds, they fell on the rocky ground. And where they did not have much soil, they sprang up immediately. But since they had no depth of soil, they soon uh, failed because the sun came out and scorched them. And since they had no root, they withered away. And... Other seeds, they fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then there were some other seeds that fell on good soil and produced grain, some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's all he says. No explanation of what it all means, not yet at least. He just tells the story. There was a farmer that went out and threw some seed, and some seed landed on the path. Some seed landed on stony ground, some landed on thorny ground, and some landed on good soil. And so if you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. I would love to see the faces in the crowd when Jesus just dropped the story and moved on. 
What? What are you talking about, Jesus? What does this mean? And, and Jesus goes on to explain this simple story that it is a parable and that he is speaking in parables because it is not given for everybody to know what the parable means. Only those who have ears to hear. And he tells the crowd that's listening to him, he says, you've grown dull of hearing. You can't even hear what I'm saying to you. You are spiritually thick, inept. You can't figure out what I'm talking about. And so I'm speaking in parables so that you don't figure it out. Jesus was a little bit out of the box with his methods. And so without further explanation, Jesus moves on. And the parable was for those who had ears to hear. Many were listening in the crowd that day, but not many were hearing. In fact, it seems like the simple story of the sower would have created more questions than answers. And I'll say this, that sometimes when God comes into your life and speaks to you, it's to create questions, not answers. Because questions cause us to listen more intently. Questions cause us to draw in, to find the answer. And so he creates more questions in their heart and in their mind. In this simple story is the explanation of why so many fall short of God's promises and plans. But the crowd would have never known it. In fact, it seems like that simple story um, was so hard to understand that the disciples later come to him and say, Jesus, what was the farmer story about? They thought probably that he had forgotten the end of the story. <laughs> you ever done that? You told a story? I know, I know somebody here who's done that. You tell the story and then you forget the point and you just move on and you never address it. There are some people that when you do that too, they, they can't think of anything else you say because they're, they're thinking, what was that farming story about? I can't figure it out. And so Jesus' uh, disciples come to him later and ask him to explain it. And in it, he begins to explain why so many are falling short of God's promises and plans. In this simple farming illustration, Jesus identifies the needs and the problems of several types of people. And how they react when truth comes into their world. And so it seems like a simple farming story, but it has an application to every single life, every single heart in this room tonight. Because it really deals with what do you do when truth comes into your life. Winston Churchill had a great quote. He said, some men will stumble across truth only to rush off as if it had never happened. That you've got to do something with truth. And you will handle it one way or another. And Jesus begins to explain that our relationship with the seed or the word of God is what determines our spiritual trajectory. It's what determines what will come out of our life. It's what determines what we will become and what God will do in us and through us and for us. And the way that we respond to the word of God really determines our outcome. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it covers the newest convert to the oldest saint. That we all have a relationship with the truth and it's the most important relationship you can have in your life. And so Jesus began by explaining the premise behind the parable that the sower wasn't sowing literal seed. The seed represents the word of truth. 
He says uh, that it is the word of God, the word of truth. And the picture is of a farmer sowing seeds in the field. The intention and plan is for the seed to germinate in the soil and grow there until it produces fruit. And there is great potential between the seed and the soil. There's great uh, harvest potential between the seed and the soil. When brought together, they can change landscapes or in this context, change lives. And the sower sows the word. And when he sows it, he is sowing it into the soil or the hearts of people. Mark 4.14, Jesus tells us that the sower goeth forth to sow the word. And Matthew 13 tells us that it is sown into the hearts of men. And so we don't see just a simple farmer throwing out seed, but what we see is truth coming to the hearts of men and how people are responding to it and how people are interacting with it. And I want to tell you where there is great potential. There is also the great possibility that the soil isn't receptive or conducive to the seed and what it can do and what potential it has. And so where there is great potential, there is also potential for great disappointment. Under the right conditions, the soil is designed to bring forth a harvest on its own. It's the natural environment that the seed was designed for. Understand this, seeds work. I've probably told this before, but when I was a kid, my mom brought home some sunflower seeds that somebody had given her, some little packets. I got excited. I said, cool. So I grabbed them and I went and took them to the shadiest part of the flower bed and I planted them. By planting them, I moved the mulch back and I laid them down and I put the mulch back over it. (laughs) I came back the next day and I'm nothing. The next day, nothing. I forgot about it for weeks. And then one day I was outside playing and I looked over in that shady corner. I thought, my seeds. I went and dug under the mulch and there they were, just like I left them. And I grabbed them and I ran inside to my mom. I said, Mom, the seeds are broke. (laughs) These seeds don't work. And she said, baby, you've got to plant it. You've got to water it. It's got to be in the right condition. It's got to have some sunlight. You can't just throw seeds down and expect them to work. And so the problem is not in the seed. All of the potential is in the seed. All of the, the, the future harvest is in the seed. But it's what environment the seed comes into. And so I can plant the same seeds from the same batch in different soil and get a different result. And so the Word of God might work in someone else's life, but because of the conditions of my heart, it's not working in my life. The seed is not the problem. The seed is not the issue. In fact, I want to say this, the soil is the natural growth environment for the seed. Mark 4.26, he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground And he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. I love that. The farmer really doesn't know how the seed grows, especially back in those days. They didn't know how it happened. They they knew that if they planted it, it would come up. You don't need to know all the details to get a harvest. You don't have to have it all figured out. But if you can have faith enough to create the right environment for the seed, it can grow. And so Mark 4.28 then says this. It says, the earth produces by itself. That if the soil is right, 
You don't have to do stuff with it every day. You don't have to go out and pet it. And I've heard of people singing to their plants. You don't have to do that. Because the Bible says the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As I drove to church tonight, I passed a field where they planted corn a few months ago. And I, I didn't know what it was. It was just, just sprouts coming out of the ground. Today, it's, it's the, the stalks are probably over six feet tall. A huge field of corn that, that came up. And I never saw a farmer out there after the seed was planted. The earth is the natural environment for the seeds to grow in. And so, get this, that if the soil is right, the seed will grow. If the soil is right, the seed will grow. You don't have to constantly tend it and constantly worry about it and constantly focus on it. If the soil condition is right from the beginning, the seed will grow. It says, well, when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so, what I want you to see is that the human heart is the perfect natural environment for the Word of God to work and to grow in. The dirt produces by itself. Our hearts are naturally receptive to the work of God's Word. We were created for this. We were created by the, uh, the, the hand of God. And, and, and all of nature was created by the Word of God. And the human heart is the natural place, the natural environment in which the Word of God was intended to be planted. And so if the heart is right, then something is going to happen when you interact with the Word of God. You're not just going to frustrate yourself. You're not going to be disappointed. The Word will accomplish the purpose which it was planted for. The dirt produces by itself. Our hearts are naturally receptive. I love children. I loved camp last week because children don't have all the hang-ups that adults do. I watch, uh, I watch little Brody. Is that Kaylee up there? I think I see Kaylee. I watch, uh, I, I guess she's not here tonight. I watched Brody praying last week. Nobody had ever talked to him about the Holy Ghost. In fact, the first night he would raise his hand and then he would look over at the other kid and raise his hands back and make sure he was doing it right. It was cute. That was the first night. The second night, nobody said a word to him. Nobody, we didn't push him and press him about the Holy Ghost. We didn't give him a Bible study. He just got in the presence of God with other people. And his heart was open. His heart was tender. And the second night, now he might have got it the first night. I don't know. But the second night, I know that he got it. Because I watched him raise his hands and tears begin to flow down his face. And he began to speak in a heavenly language. Because the human heart is the natural environment of growth for the Word of God. And when the preacher preached and his heart was open, the Word was going to do something if the heart is right. It's the natural state. It's the natural place for growth. But there are conditions that are created by doubt, by sin, by the struggle, by distraction, by our past that makes it difficult for the Word to work in our hearts. And so Jesus begins to tell us the four types of hearts represented by the soil in the story. In each of these, we find pitfalls and barriers to spiritual growth. The issues revealed in the four types of soil show us that growth is created or contained by the condition of the heart. And at a minimum, this ought to be the big flashing red sign to us that growth doesn't happen by accident. Just like a harvest doesn't spring up with minimal activity. Neither will the kingdom grow in your heart and life without making sure that the conditions are correct for growth. 
before the farmer ever puts the corn into the ground. He makes sure that the field is prepared. Now, he doesn't have to tend it every day because if he just gets the field right, the seed will do the rest of the work. But he does have to prepare the field. And so Jesus begins to tell this story of the farmer, the sower, forth to sow. And as he goes forth, the Bible says in Matthew thirteen nineteen that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes along and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. Now, in the King James Version, it calls it the wayside. Somebody say the wayside. This is the wayside heart. I want to say that the mention of the location of uh, this type of soil is not accidental because, uh, and it's not unrelated to the point that Jesus is making. The King James calls it the wayside because it is the walked over dirt around the edges of the field. And the location is in, important to understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is the soil that doesn't exist in the middle of where things are happening. This is the soil that exists on the fringes, on the edges, on the outside. Not up in the middle of the field, but on the outside where the farmers and the passers-by have walked it over. And, and so it, it was plowed, but it has been hardened by experience. It exists on the fringe of the field, close enough to be near where the seed is being sown, but too hard and too unreceptive to receive it. These are people that come to church, but they aren't the church. These are people that are on the fringe of the field. I go every Sunday, but you wouldn't know it by looking at my life. <laughs> I love the, the saying that said that sitting in church makes you as much a Christian as sitting in the garage makes you a car. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> the wayside soil, it's hardened, it's fringe, it's, it's too hard for the seed to pierce through because of experience and because of its condition. And two factors are working against its ability to produce a crop. Number one is its hard and its unbroken condition. Today I was reading a gardening blog. Uh, preaching is the only thing that will make me read a gardening blog. <laughs> I'm not a gardener. But I was reading how this, this gardener was talking about he was excited that it was early spring because it was soil conditioning time. And that he had to make sure and go through his flower beds and his gardens and he would break up the clods by hand. Because nothing can grow where things have been unbroken. And so as long as you stand in your own strength and in your own plans and in your own will and in your own way. And you never fall on the cross of Calvary and you never repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you. God, not, not even the word of God can work. In an unbroken spirit and in an unbroken heart. It's hard and unbroken condition prevents it, prevents it from experiencing growth. And second is its location. Because the soil is on the edge of the field, it is subject to experiences that the soil in the middle of the field is not subject to. People walk around the edges of the field. They don't walk through the middle of the field. And pardon me, I know this is a simple thought, but it's revelatory to me. Is hanging around the fringes of the church and never getting involved leaves you open to experiences that will make you harder towards God. Harder for God to work with. 
harder for God to deal with because you know too much. You felt the plow come through your life, but you've had some experience and you don't have the closeness. And you're just not quite broken up like you used to be. And you know too much to let God's Word get too deep. Yeah, I've heard that before. It just might be that the thing you've heard 99 times is the thing that you need for your breakthrough. It just might be that the sermons that you've heard preached over and over. I've heard people say, I don't need to go to church on Wednesday. I've heard it all preached. You know what? You might need to hear it again. Because when the seed is planted in the heart, it will bring forth the harvest if the heart is right. It's location. Look, I, I hate to break it to you, but there, just by showing up around here and hanging around the edges, you're not going to see and, and, and receive all that God has for you. You're not going to experience the growth and the blessing and the promise and the harvest that God has for you. You've got to get in the middle of the field. You've got to get out away from where the enemy can come and snatch you up. Snatch your word away because the hardness of your heart creates a condition where it's easier to be influenced by the devil than it is God. This is what Jesus says. He says that on the edge of the field that the sparrows come and snatch the seeds up because they don't penetrate the soil. There's protection by being involved in the church. There's spiritual protection just by getting in the middle of what's going on. Just by being involved in what's going on. And not only that, but when you live on the fringes of the church... And you live a cultural Christian experience. What a cultural Christian is, you were raised this way. That's why you come here. What happens is, God brings the word to you, but it's easy for the enemy to take it away. And when the enemy takes it away, he doesn't leave you empty-handed. He takes the word of God, the value system of God, the truth of God, and replaces it with his own lie. And so, understand this, the heart that is hard towards the Word of God will be influenced by Satan far more, far more than by the Word of God. The Word just doesn't penetrate. But Satan is able to influence the outcome of your life when your heart is hard towards the Word of God. A heart that is calloused. It's interesting, in this passage, Jesus tells those hearing that they are dull and thick of hearing. The word dull here means thickened or callous. And, and, and so, just like the wayside soil, their hearts are hard. A dull heart can never produce legitimate life change. A heart that is callous towards the things of God has no defense against the enemy. Jesus says because they have a callous heart, they cannot understand the word of God. The word understand means to comprehend thoroughly or to perceive clearly. Because of their heart condition, they are unable to perceive the value and receive the blessing that is in the Word of God. And it's all because of the condition of the human heart. Here's the problem with the wayside soil. There are people who are always losing what God intended for them to have. They're connected to the field. They're on the fringes. But they're always losing They probably lose so much that they get tired of losing, (laughs) you know, because every time a promise comes, every time a preacher comes, every time somebody with a word comes, they get nothing out of it. And they look around and wonder, why is everybody else getting some out of this? 
me tell you something. It's the condition of the soil. It's, the seed's not the problem. It's the condition of the soil. I didn't mean to go there, but I did. So I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> They're more easily influenced by the devil than changed and impacted by the word of God. And the devil is always stealing their joy, always stealing their peace, always stealing their hope. Always stealing the promises of God. Always stealing their healing. Everything that God has for them, they cannot receive. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. And we know that we receive by faith. And if you can't receive the word, your faith can't grow. And you can't receive anything that God has. And here's the problem with having a hard heart. Is you're always losing. How true the words of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The condition of your life is a product of the condition of your heart. And those who are unable to receive the word are incapacitated by the hardened heart. They become callous toward the things of God through doubt, skepticism, fear, traditionalism, and a host of other influences that will cause them to shut their eyes and their ears from hearing the truth. Of God, We can take a valuable lesson from the wayside soil tonight. That the condition of our hearts can place us under the influence of God or it can place us under the influence of the devil. The condition of our heart can determine our outcome. And we can take that lesson that Satan snatches the word from hearts that are hard and replaces it with worldly understanding and reasoning. It sets them against the things of God because the word can't penetrate. It can't get through because the heart was not prepared to receive. The need of the wayside soil is that if your heart is unreceptive to the word of God and you find yourself agreeing with the world more than you do with the church, you need a change of heart. You need some heart surgery. Anybody ever had that? Some spiritual heart surgery? I'm pretty sure just about everyone in this room has come to that point where you said, you know what, God? I've I've been wrong about everything. (laughs) My life has not ended up near like I thought it would. I'm not happy. I'm miserable. I'm bound. I'm sick of the life that I've been living. And, And there's hope for the wayside soil. Because if it can ever be broken up, if it can ever be broken up in repentance, then it can be planted in. The soil still has the potential. It just has to be prepared. And so Hebrews 10, 12 gives us a prescription for a hard heart. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. How do you overcome a wayside heart? How do you come uh, overcome a hardened, calloused heart? It's by repentance. The word repentance is made up of two words in the Greek, meta and noia. It means change of mind. So if you can just change your mind and your heart and be open to the things of God and you can repent of the way that you've been living, then the seed can come and have an impact in your life and in your heart. Jesus moves on in Matthew thirteen twenty to the stony heart. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is the one we like to shout about and clap about. They receive it immediately with joy. By all appearances, they're 100% on board with what God is doing. Verse 21 says, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately 
Somebody say immediately. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. Immediately. Immediately. He falls away. Immediately. The second type Jesus is addressing here is the stony heart. Now listen, the stony heart has faith, but lacks depth. Ever known anybody like that? We, we, we kind of say it this way sometimes, is they are an inch deep and a mile wide. You would think that there are hundreds of acres to be planted in, but there's no depth of soil. They have faith, but they don't have any depth. And have not put down any roots, therefore they cannot endure. So how does soil become stony? How does so- now, the enemy doesn't go through and throw stones in the field. I'll tell you how the soil becomes stony. It was that way to begin with. Anybody ever tried to dig in your backyard? I grew up in South Texas where there was a lot of rock. You'd dig about two, three feet down. And man, you'd hit that limestone rock and you weren't going anywhere without power tools. Nobody came down to South Texas and said, we're going to play a good trick on these guys. We're going to put all this limestone in the ground. It was there to begin with. It formed there by time and experience, didn't it? Nobody put it there. It formed there. It is a consequence of living in life that there will be stony, hard areas that the seed of God's word cannot naturally penetrate without being addressed and broken up. And so, how does it become uh, stony? It was that way to start with. The work was never done to plow up and deal with the stones that are under the surface. And so you can throw seed out. You can till up the surface and throw seed out. And the seed will sprout up quickly um, because there's no depth of earth. Now, Now, get this. On good soil, it takes a little more time to see growth than it does on this kind of soil. Fast growth is not the objective in the kingdom of God. My problem is I've always been in more of a hurry than God. And I'll bet you there's a good amount of you that are on the same boat as me. Is we're always ahead of God, rushing ahead. But it takes a little time. It said because there's no depth, it springs up quickly. It springs forth immediately. And so I want to tell you tonight... That what is under the surface of your life is of far greater importance than what you let other people see. What is underneath the surface is of far more importance to your spiritual well-being and your outcome than what other people see. Everybody else sees the surface. They see your praise on Sunday. They see you showing up. They see your faith. They see all these things. But it's what's underneath. It's what's in here that really determines the outcome of what God is doing on your, in your life. Because you can do all of the motions and the outward things. But if there is errors in your heart that are hardened to the Word of God, that you're not allowing the Word of God to penetrate, you will never see the growth and endurance that you need to see. Initially, these seeds spring up in, the, in these hearts. There's quick and immediate growth. They're receptive to God, or so it seems. There's early progress. They begin to receive the first fruits of what God wants to do in their life. It looks like everything's going well. It looks like everything's going fine until something goes wrong. And the Bible says that when trouble comes on account of the word that's entered their life. Let me tell you this. If you're new, the word will bring some trouble to your life. It'll bring some turmoil. It'll bring, it'll shake some things up in your life. And the Bible says that when, 
when the sun comes out or when trouble and trial or tribulation come to stony hearts, that they have initially been glad to receive the word of God, but it never got deep enough to make a difference. That it got down deep to a level, and, and they only let it go so far in their life, and it never really became rooted in their soul and in their spirit. The word was, was received, but it, it did not uh, become rooted. And so, ultimately, when trouble comes, they are destined to fail. Because they haven't done the dirt work that is necessary and dealt with the issues under the surface of their life. Destined to fail. They look like people of faith. They look like the ideal church member. But they're destined to depart. They come in. We all get excited. We got a new convert. But it's what happens when the trouble comes that really shows who you are. It's what happens when the trouble comes that really shows whether or not you've been changed. And you know what? There are people that can get up with talent and anointing in a moment. And they can seem like they've got it all and God's going to use them so mightily. But it's really determined. The depth of their productiveness in the kingdom is determined by how far they let the word get in their heart. And there are some people that they have incredible talent, ability, that uh, they have it all together. It seems like they have a high trajectory in the kingdom. But the trajectory in the kingdom of being used by God is not determined by what is happening above the surface. It's by what's beneath. When you are who you are when nobody's looking. That's who you really are. You are who you really are when nobody else is looking. When there's nobody else to clap and say, wow, what incredible talent or ability. What a great ability to pray. What faith. And so here's the problem of the stony heart. Is that it cannot survive trial and trouble. Destined to fail because no dirt work was done. Now I want to tell you a little story. I've, I've probably told this before. Because I've taught this before. But a few years ago, I was involved in a, in a thing called the Jonathan Project. It was for young pastors. I was pastoring at the time where uh, about eight, eight or nine older pastors each selected a young man. And they, they said, if you'll show up, we'll pay your room, your food and all that. And we come together, we fellowship, we have somebody speak to us. Well, I went to, I went to this throughout one year. It was about eight or nine meetings. And at one of the meetings, we were in Missouri, in Eminence, Missouri, and we went tubing and kayaking on the river and uh, we had a speaker there. It was a great time. Well, we came to the end of the whole thing. And at the end of the whole thing, they said, we're going to end differently this time. We're going to go around the room and we're going to pray for everybody's individual needs. Now, at the time, I had a lot of things going on in life. I mean, a lot. I was going through some, some pretty rough trials and tribulations. And uh, I sat there and I thought, well, I don't have anything to pray for. <laughs> Anybody ever been guilty of that? You're just out of touch. You're a little bit in denial. <laughs> About what's going on. And I said, well, I really don't have anything to pray for. You know? I mean, they, they already know all the stuff that's going on in my life. So I'm not going to bring that up again. And I sat there. And as they, they went around the room, I was dreading them coming to me. Uh, what am I going to say? Well, as I was kind of sitting there thinking about it, I, the Lord quickened something to my heart. You see, in the, in the lesson, the guy had talked about forgiveness. And he had talked about digging up stones of unforgiveness. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, here's what your prayer is, is that you've never dealt with stuff under the surface. So your prayer is going to be that I give you the strength to dig up the stones. And 
I got to say, it was a gut, a spiritual gut punch because I thought I was clicking along, doing well, handling it all okay. But the Lord spoke to my heart and said, your prayer is that you need to learn to dig up and deal with the stones that are under the surface. On the surface, preaching, pastoring, leading, everything's fine. We're putting on a brave face. Mom's dying of cancer. Putting on a brave face, putting on a happy face. And the Lord says, you've got to deal with the stuff under the surface. And when they finally got around to me, I tried to open my mouth and say it, and I couldn't get it out before I broke down. I mean, I went from so carnal that I couldn't think of a prayer request to the Lord just right there. And amazingly, as I was praying, as they gathered around me and began to pray, the tears began to flow. Brother Marvin Walker came and leaned down in my ear and began to prophesy and speak to me the very things that the Lord had spoken to my heart. I hadn't even opened my mouth to say it without tears coming out. And the message was this. You've got to deal with the stones. Because you won't survive the trial if you don't deal with the stones that are under the surface. You won't make it through. If you don't deal, you've got to let the Word of God get down deep. And if you're dealing with family trouble, and the Bible says to forgive as long as you are hardened towards that, you won't make it through this trial. You won't make it through this trouble. As, as long as you are sick in body, and the Scripture says that healing is in His hands, and by His stripes we're healed, and your heart is closed to God healing, you can't receive it. You won't make it through that. You won't come through that. And so you have to learn to deal with the stuff that's under the surface. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people say. I love it. When somebody comes to the altar and they, they're, they're a buttoned-up person, but they said, you know what, I'm tired of that. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to get out the issues with God in the altar because I need something from God that will bring me through. It's in those moments when we become broken and when we break up the fallow ground and dig up the stones that the Word of God begins to get deep down on the inside. And my heart is now open to everything that God wants to do for me. Everything that God wants to do in me. And let me say this. If there's any area in your life that you're resistant to God about. And resistant to His Word about. And you look at others and, and you look at the Bible and you say, I don't know about all that. You've got to dig up that stone. You've got to dig up that stone because God's Word will put roots in you that will give you endurance. The truth compels us to deal with that which is below the surface. That which no one else can see. And His Word calls us to repentance. Even when no one else knows what is in our hearts. The Word can work out our issues. It can bring us through. It can give us endurance and patience and faith. If we'll dig up the stones. And so the need of the stony heart is depth. You ever meet anybody that needs some depth? (laughs) I think we're all there at some point or another. I need some depth in my life. If we can remove stones of bitterness, doubt, fear, falsehood, then the Word of God will drive roots deep into our hearts so that we're able to endure trial and temptation and see long-term spiritual growth. And so Jesus then turns to the thorny heart. This one is interesting. Because in Mark 4.18 it says, And other ones are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the Word. But listen to this. They hear it. In other words, he said, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. They're the ones that hear it. They initially receive it. They have depth. Everything's going right. They hear the word, right? They receive the word. But, verse 19, 
the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The third type of heart is the thorny heart and the thorny heart hears the word and the word is able to grow for a period of time. This is uh, different from the first two types of hearts because the first two were unreceptive to the word of God at some level. The, the wayside was unreceptive on the surface. The, uh, the stony heart was unreceptive just under the surface. But this heart has no objections to the word of God. It has it, no, uh, no place where it is not receptive. It has depth. It has roots. It has everything that it needs to grow. This heart has genuine faith. It has responded to and received the word of God. In fact, it survived some storms because it drove down some roots. It's been through some trials and some troubles and come out on the other side better. This, this plant has survived some stuff and lived through some stuff. However, its destiny is still to be determined. But because... It was not properly sifted. This heart allows things to live inside it that will eventually overtake and kill the growth that has happened. In gardening, it's important to sift the soil to remove the weeds and the thorns. An unfiltered soil will grow a harvest. It will grow. It'll look fine. It'll look good. Anybody got weeds in your yard? I paid a a bundle of money to a guy to get the weeds out of my yard last year, and I still got weeds in my yard. Somebody messed up before they started because they didn't plant like they were supposed to. I wish I knew who they were. I'd sue them. <laughs> but this, this ground was never sifted. And, and it can grow things. It, things can grow. In fact, it can go on for a while. And it seems like everything is perfectly fine and perfectly normal. But the problem with the thorns is that they live alongside of our growth. And they compete with what God is trying to give us. And so, um, after a time, it will become overgrown so that all growth is arrested and there is no more fruitfulness. They're fruitful for a time, but as things compete with and grow alongside of the, the will of God for our life, and we begin to give resources to other things, other desires, other hopes, other things that we worship, other loves, that it grows alongside and eventually they become fruitless. They compete for our attention, for our heart, for our time, for our money, for our strength. The thorns have planted some seeds in our life too. And Jesus tells us what the destructive thorns to our spiritual growth are. He says that it is the cares of this world. It's the saying of God that's been doing it for 20 years. They won their family. They're raising their kids in the church, but they're just too busy to live for God like they used to. Too busy to pray like they used to. Oh, man, I better not go there. I got too many ball games to go to, Pastor, to have time for the kingdom of God. They got too many things, too many irons in the fire. 
They got too many bills to pay. The cares of this world that grow alongside of what God intended for you to have and to harvest and to hold and to produce as your legacy. It's growing alongside of it. And there's things in your life that if you give enough attention to them, they will begin to overgrow the growth that God placed in your life. And they will begin to overtake the will of God. Not not immediately, but slowly. And through time, they begin to grow up. And it, it they begin to be equal with the things of God. And then they begin to outpace the things of God. And Jesus says that it's the cares of life that begin to distract and deter the saint of God from being everything they can be, from having everything they can have in God. He said it's the cares of life. And not just the cares of life, he said the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. They stop chasing their kingdom purpose and start chasing a number in the bank account. And look, I'm going through a financial makeover with Dave Ramsey. I love having good finances, being a wise steward, but money is not what we live for in the kingdom of God. Money is secondary because the, if we will give our hearts, if seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And understand this, career is secondary to my calling. Career is secondary to my purpose. And, and I've got to be able to make, make both of them work, but I've got to give priority to the things of God. Let me tell you this. If you go chase after riches rather than living out your kingdom purpose, you have been deceived. You think that you're going to get more, but what you're going to end up with is less. You're going to have less money, and you're going to have less God, and you're going to wake up one day and you're going to wonder, what happened with my kids? I raised them in the church. What happened with my, with my grandkids? I raised them in the house of God. Understand this saying of the living God. I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost to somebody tonight. We can't come this far to allow the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this life and other things, other desires, other things to enter in and begin to care what God created in you and in me. What a tragic story. This to me is the most tragic of all. Because they got their heart right at one point. But at some point they stopped the sifting. I think they started drifting. And nothing happens in the kingdom of God without being intentional about it. You're not going to accidentally walk into a prayer life. You're not going to accidentally walk into a ministry that God can heal through. You're not going to accidentally raise God-fearing, God-loving kids not going to accidentally do any of those things. Jesus says that they have growth. They had a right heart, but they, they allow other things, other desires, other things, other desires, other things, other desires. I know I should be a part of the kingdom, but I really, I'd rather go do this. I'd rather go do that. What, what a picture because Jesus tells us what the destructive thorns do. They choke out and put a stop to what God is doing in our life. And the plant still lives, but it produces no fruit. And the book of John says that it's the vine that produces no fruit that is only good to be hewn down and cast into the fire. It's lost its purpose. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? There's no point to it even existing anymore. And so the keeper of the vineyard comes along. And it's, it's, a, it's a slow death. It's a slow spiritual death. 
The first two were quick, but this one's slow. It's slow because it takes time for those things to compete. And eventually they overtake and eventually they drift away and disappear from the field. I don't know why the Lord led me to speak this to somebody, but I want to tell somebody, I want to warn somebody tonight, don't let this world make you lose out on what God is trying to do in you and your family. Don't let the world distract you. Don't give your time and attention to things that are worthless, that are temporal and not eternal. The Bible says set your affections on things that are above. Set your heart on things that are above. What are you doing? You're preparing your soil to see the the, uh, ultimate harvest that God prepared for you. These people are too busy to be fruitful, too caught up in everything else to have a fruitful life. I've told the story before of Brother Mooney who met the grumpy old lady who had a beautiful garden. And he asked her, what's your secret? She said, you pull the weeds and you water the flowers and you don't get them mixed up. Brilliant, isn't it? Wow. She should start a gardening blog. Pull the weeds, water the flowers. I think there's a lot of frustration and a lot of fruitlessness in the kingdom of God because people have gotten the two mixed up. They're watering all the wrong things in their life. Watering the weeds while the flowers are withering. And understand this, nothing you do in life will be of greater consequence than what you prepare for eternity. Eternity. And so, Jesus says that this kind of heart has received God's Word, has gone deeper than the surface, but other things have been allowed to coexist that are destructive to growth and ultimately uh, fruitfulness. And so this is, this is why we're called to live differently than the world lives. Because it's the cares of the world. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's the desires for other things. I believe those correlate to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Is the things that are in this world will not get you where you're trying to go. It's two separate train tracks. And so other things seem innocent. But I want to tell you tonight that anything that fights for the same ground as God's kingdom in our life must be weeded out. Anything that's competing with what God is doing, it has to be pulled out. It has to be cast aside. You have to get rid of it or it will kill what God is doing. You've got to get rid of it. Somebody say, weed it out. Weed it out. And so here's the problem. The problem is that the thorny heart cannot be fruitful. Can't be fruitful. They come and they pray and they do all the things they used to do with no results. They can't be fruitful. It has changed their spiritual trajectory. It was growing, but now it's regressing because other affections and attentions have overtaken. And so here's, here's where I'm going to end tonight. Is on the need for the thorny heart. Because I felt like this is why the Lord laid this on my heart. The need for the thorny heart is to be liberated. In the house of God, in the kingdom of God but being choked out by all sorts of different things. And the need for the thorny heart is liberty. It's to be freed from the things that have grown up that are now choking out the plan and the promise of God in their life. There are things that we would never call spiritual bondage, but they are. A chock-full schedule. No time to pray. It's bound up 
by decisions and choices and commitments and, and, and all these different things that you try to do to be a better person and to, to hold responsibility. But what the, the thorny heart needs is a liberation from the Spirit of God. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let me put it simply in old-fashioned terms. They need to pray through to the Holy Ghost again. They need to get a fresh dose of the Spirit again. They need to come back to that place where the Spirit of God comes down and begins to weed out and tear out and cast aside all of the things that are holding us back, that are keeping us from being fruitful. And you can bear fruit again. You can produce fruit again. Your life can make a difference if you allow God's Spirit to liberate you from the lesser things. We have to choose the better things. We have to be intentional with what we're doing with our lives. We're not normal people who happen to know God. We are God's people who happen to live in a normal world. And so stop being normal. Stop being like everybody else. Stop filling your schedule and your finances up to the max. Stop doing all that. Stop living for lesser things. And let God liberate you to be fruitful for His kingdom. Let's stand together. As I come to a close. Jesus tells us. What happens when the conditions are right? We talked all about all the wrong conditions tonight. But in Mark 4.20, he says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Thirtyfold is great. So our president would say it's fantastic. Thirtyfold is amazing. If you throw out a seed and it produces 30 times, that's amazing. There is no saint of God that produces fruit at a level that is not respectable, that is not miraculous. When the heart is right, it'll be 30-fold, 60-fold. And, and I want you to see something. is There is not any quality of outcome. Because talents differ and giftings of God differ. But there is an equality of outcome. That if you get your heart right with God and you prepare your heart to receive everything that God has for you, you will produce. There will be people in your wake. A few weeks ago, I was reading a Facebook group that was from my childhood church. And there were about four or five families that came on there and they, they said, I came because Eddie Prieto witnessed to me in a restaurant. He was a hundredfold kind of saint. He won half the church to God from when I was a child. There were people that I thought had always been in church that I found out just last week that they were one to God by Eddie Prieto before I was born. To me, they were staples of the church. They had always been there. But they were fruit because some heart to God to be used of God. I want to tell you, if you open your heart and you get your heart right, your children will be impacted. Your family will be impacted. Your job will be impacted. I, I, I don't know the level to which God will use you, but I know that He'll use you if you get your heart right with God. Can we ask our ushers to come right now? We're going to get ready to receive our tithe and offering. I believe that the Lord wants to use the church. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be free. Amen? How many of you believe that? Can we thank the Lord for the Word of God tonight? You want to take it?